You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians today, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read one verse this evening. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18. And if, could we stand for the reading of God's word if you're able? I don't know if you guys do that or not. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirits, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, Lord. Thank you so much for saving my soul, Lord. And um, just for Elk Point Baptist Church, Eastside Baptist Church, and the fellowship that we're able to do with one another, it's just such a blessing. Lord, I pray that you just take away every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me in this message, Lord. Help me hide behind the cross of Christ and preach, thus saith the Lord. And just move a mighty way in the service tonight, Lord. Help us recognize the power of prayer, the need of prayer, and what it takes to win the battles of life. We love you so much. We praise your name. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 6 is a very popular passage of scripture. Chances are you've heard many different messages on this topic that I'm referring to today. And you've looked at it and read it many different times and for good reason. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the warfare of the believer. The warfare that you and I are going through. Because the moment you got saved, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you enlisted in the Lord's army. Whether you realize it or not, you did. You are now a soldier of the cross, and we are in a warfare, a battle between good and evil, between heaven and hell. And what we see here in Ephesians chapter 6 is the instruction manual to help us win the battles of life, to help us take holds of the victory of Christ Jesus. And that's what he tells us here, and in verse 10, we enter the battlefields. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And you guys know it, stand therefore, having, your, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your loins girt about with truth, uh, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and so on and so forth. And it's funny because we highlight that a lot. We really talk about it. We put it in the Sunday school um, uh, pictures and wallpapers. We, we talk about that armor of God. But it's funny because we oftentimes lead out, leave out verse number 18. We'll go from Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, talking about putting on that armor of God, but then we stop right there. Even in my Bible, it actually changes to a different point on here. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. You see, the sentence isn't done. There's a colon there. It says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You see, they go hand in hand. In the first seven verses, we're told to put on the armor of God, to put on the equipments. But if we just put on that armor, we're not going to get very far in this Christian life. You see, we're not strong enough to hold that armor and to use that armor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No, but what we need is God's strength, God's energy, and that's what we see in verse 18. We have the energy of Almighty God when we pray, but a lot of us Christians, we don't do that, right? We put on the armor, we put on the armor and we look the part, we dress the part, we look the part of a Christian man, man, we're on fire, but that's about it. We don't actually use the armor. We kind of just sit there, right? Or, or if we do fight in this battle, we, we rely on our own strength and not the strength of the armor that God has given us. The way we use that armor is through prayer. 
You see, a lot of us are like spiritual mannequins. We look the part, but then we leave it at that. That's it. It reminds me of this bodybuilder a number of years ago who went to a rural town, and very small town, kind of like Elk Point, and was showing off his muscles. Man, and this dude was ripped. He had muscles on top of his muscles, muscles on his eyeballs. This guy was buff. And everybody in that town was gravitating towards him as he's doing these little things and all that stuff. And, and one of the farmers there was a very hard-working farmer. Man, he worked hard, he worked tough, and he had those farmer muscles, the farmer tan, everything going. And he went up to this bodybuilder and he said, Never in my life have I seen somebody with so many muscle, muscles. Tell me, what do you do with those muscles that you have? And the bodybuilder said, I basically just do this. I show people my muscles. That's about it. The farmer looked at him, confused for a little bit, shook his head in disgust, walked away and said, what a waste. What a waste. And I'm here to tell you, what a waste for you and I to not use the armor that God has given us, to not use the energy that God has given us. Because to weigh the win this battle, the way to win the victories of life is through prayer. Prayer is us talking to our commander in heaven, our line of communication, and we need prayer to win the battles of life. We need prayer to use the equipment that God has given us. It takes prayer. And it's interesting when you look at Ephesians chapter 6 here because um, the whole armor of God are almost described in passing in just a few words or a simple phrase. He says, having on the breastplate of righteousness, on to the next one. Feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. On to the next one. It's basically just described in passing. But then he slowed down in verse number 18 and gives us an in-depth doctrine of prayer in 21 words. He stops and highlights 21 words about prayer. You see, this highlights how important prayer is in the Christian life. It takes prayer to win the battles of life. And you want to know something? Satan fears your prayers. Satan does not want you to pray. And he's going to do whatever he can to get you to stop praying. Because when you pray, you're talking to Almighty God. When you pray, you've got the victory. And he's trying to get you to not pray. And he will do anything he can to get you to stop praying. Because when we pray, we win. And so in verse 18... The word of God breaks down what it takes to win the battles of life. Our commander gave us 21 words on prayer that will help us win this battle. Because you and I, we are in a real spiritual warfare, and the only way to win is through prayer. Amen? So we're going to look at the good soldier's prayer life verse by verse, word for word, here in Ephesians 6.18. Notice, first of all, the persistence of a good soldier's prayer. It starts off by saying, praying always with all prayer. A good soldier is persistent in his prayers. It says praying always. That just means praying all the time. Right? We see that truth throughout the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Jesus said in Luke 18.1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You see, we're to pray always. Now, does that mean that I just am on my knees 24 hours a day, 7 days a week talking to God? No, that's not what it's meaning at all. Does it mean that I can't have a conversation with anybody else because I'm just mumbling to myself throughout the day? That's not talking about it. That's not the case at all either. No, it just means an attitude of prayer, being in constant contact with Almighty God, like soldiers on the battlefield connected to their commander via radio. You constantly have that connection. 
That attitude of prayer, that's the, that's the process. That's what it takes. Being persistent in pray, pray, prayer, praying always, is just keeping those communication lines open. This is how we maintain our connection with him. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to pray always. That's what a good soldier does. A good soldier doesn't turn off his walkie-talkie. A good soldier leaves that on and is in t- constant contact with his commander. And now, we need to do that, and we need to pray always because we are always subject to temptations and attacks by the devil. We never know when Satan is going to shoot one of, his fire, one of his fiery darts at us, so therefore we need to be persistent in our prayers so we can win the battles. We need to maintain that connection with Almighty God. And when I think about that, I think of the Old Testament and Nehemiah. Man, Nehemiah knew what it meant to pray without ceasing. In the short book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah we see 12 prayers recorded by Nehemiah. And nine of those 12 prayers were instant, spontaneous prayers right on the spots. Nine of those 12 prayers. We see that in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4, when he's going to the king and requesting that he can be relieved of his duties as cupbearer and go help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The Bible says that he goes up to his king and the, the king says, what's your request, Nehemiah? And the Bible says that Nehemiah, before he said anything, said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. You see, he didn't go off into a closet. He didn't leave that conversation, get on his knees and pray. No, right before he opened up his mouth, he prayed to the God of heaven And because of that, God answered his prayer, and he was able to go help rebuild the walls. You see, he was persistent in his prayers. He kept those communication lines open. He prayed always. And you and I, that's what we get to do as well. We get to pray every day of the week. We can pray 24-7. There is never a time when you and I cannot pray. What an amazing truth that is. A good soldier is persistent in his prayers. But not only that, notice the petition of prayer as well. The Bible says, with prayer and supplication. Supplication just means to ask. He wants us to ask. He wants us to pray. The Greek word there is desis, which suggests a petition for a specific personal need. Basically, what he's getting at is, pray for something. Ask for something. We get to pray to God. Luke eleven nine 9 says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What we see there is God Almighty wants us to pray. Think about that. We get to pray to Almighty God. I get to talk to my best friends, my Savior, my King, my everything. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's what we get to talk to. We get to talk to the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being. God wants us to talk to him. That's an amazing truth. God wants to be in our hearts and in our life and spend time with us. And he wants us to bring everything to him in prayer. Hey, I get to talk to my best friend. There's something to rejoice about. Amen? And one thing that we see here, and it's clear throughout the scriptures, is God cares about even the little things in our life and wants us to bring everything to him in prayer. He wants us to bring everything to him in prayer. And it's funny because a lot of times Christians struggle with that. I can't tell you how many times throughout my life and other Christians' lives that they, they feel like they can't bring the small things to God. They'll bring the big things, but then they feel like, man, I don't want to bring this thing to them. It's just a little bit too small. I'll just handle it myself. I'll just, I'll just carry this burden myself. No, God wants you to bring everything to him in prayer. I remember when I was a kid, man, I was about 13, 14 years old, and man, I had a strong relationship with the Lord. I surrendered um, at youth camp, Silver State Baptist Youth Camp that summer. Man, I was just on fire for God. I had a great relationship with Him, and uh, during that time, a lot of times I would pray out loud throughout the day. I'd pray audibly. 
And I remember one time I was in my house, and I was just praying for something small, something insignificant. I think I was asking the Lord to help me find something. And I remember I prayed for that, and um, my stepmom came in out of nowhere and said, what on earth are you praying for that for? God doesn't want you to pray for that. God does not have time to answer that prayer. And I remember I was taken back a little bit, and I'm like, man, maybe God doesn't care about that. Maybe God doesn't care about the small things. But I wish I had Philippians 4, 6 in my repertoire to show her, hey, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Hey, he wants us to bring everything to God in prayer. He cares about everything and wants us to cast our cares upon him. He wants us to pray. D.L. Moody said this on prayer. Some people think God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. The way to trouble God is not to come at all. Hey, let's bring everything to God in prayer. Let's be uh, persistent in our prayers so we can fight off the wiles of the devil. Amen? The petition of prayer there. We see that God wants us to pray. But not only that, God also commands us to pray as well. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. Luke 18.1, And he spake a parallel unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You see, it's a command by God. And you want to know something? We live in an age of substitutes right now. You can have hamburgers without any meat in them, which I think is disgusting. You can um, wear clothes with all natural materials. You can even get your hip replaced, your knees replaced. We live in an age of substitutes today. But there are some things that cannot be replaced. And for the Christian, prayer is one of those things. There are only two choices for the believer. Either we pray or we will faint. Life is not meant to be lived in our own strength, and if we make that attempt, we are doomed to failure. We need to pray always. Hey, we need to be persistent in our prayers. A Christian who does not pray faithfully, diligently, and regularly is a Christian headed toward defeats. We need to pray. God wants us. God commands us to pray. Then number three, and this is where it starts getting fun. Notice the power of prayer there as well. Did you know that there is power in prayer. There is power when you and I humble ourselves and talk to Almighty God. Hey, we've got that sovereign God on our side. The God that can make miracles. The God that holds the world in the palm of his hands. The God that knows the number of hairs on your head. We've got that God on our side. And there is power in prayer when we talk to him. Hey, we see that throughout the scriptures. And you can say, Michael, I know there's power in prayer. I know the Lord answers prayer, but it's not the same as it was in Bible times. It's just not. It's not the same. I can tell you you're wrong. The problem is, we're not relying on God's strength. We're relying on our own. Look at Ephesians 6.18. The Bible says, praying in the spirits. Praying in the spirits. That's the key to the Christian life. You see, our power comes from God's strength and not our own. It takes praying in the spirits. Praying in line with the word of God. That is how we get the victory of life. But a lot of times we pray in our own efforts our own uh, feelings, and we're not relying on God's word, and we're not praying in line with the Holy Spirit. We're not spending time with Jesus Christ. We're just praying to the ceiling. That's why we don't see power in prayer. There is still power in prayer today just like it was back in Bible times. Hey, we know that God never changes from age to age. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is as great as it was in the days of Moses, David, Daniel, John, and Paul. You see, the reason we do not see great answers today is not found in God, but in our own 
lives. The reason why we're headed down right now is because of us. Lack of prayer. Not praying in the spirits. You're questioning the power of God? It's your fault. And it's my fault. There is still power in prayer today. And we see that throughout the scriptures. One of my favorite verses, James chapter 5, verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Basically what that's saying is, Juan, if you are walking in the spirits, you're spending time with God, and, and you pray, hey, it gets the job done. Prayers get answered. There is power in prayer, but it takes praying in the spirits. And I like this because in James chapter 5, 16, it talks about the righteous man and how its prayer availeth much. But then in verse 17, it gives us an example of a, of a prophet of God from Bible times who prayed in the spirits, who prayed in line with the word of God, and God moved in a mighty way. Now you can say, Michael, again, that was a prophet of God. But notice what it says there in James chapter 5, verse 17. It doesn't say Elias was a prophet, even though he was. It doesn't say Elias was a man of God, even though he was. It doesn't say Elias was a, a supernatural being. No, it says Elias, Elijah, was a man. Just like you and me. A man subject to like passions as we are. You see, he was just like you and me, but what he did was he prayed earnestly, in line with the spirits, in line with the word of God, and therefore God moved in a mighty way. If we do that, we can still see that power in 2020. But it takes praying in the spirits. It takes praying in line with the word of God. You see, Elijah prayed earnestly. That's what we see there in James chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. In James chapter 5, we see the story of Elijah here. Now, Elijah experienced power. He prayed, bam, the rain stopped. Three and a half years. Prayed again. Bam. The rain started. He was basically a weatherman for three and a half years. He experienced power when he prayed. But the reason why he experienced that is because he was praying earnestly. That word earnestly in the Greek literally means he prayed in prayer. It has to do with praying in the spirits and praying in line with the word of God. He wasn't just saying, Lord, stop the rain because he wanted the rain to stop. No, he was praying, Lord, stop the rain, because the people of Israel started worshiping the false idols of Baal. And the Bible said in Deuteronomy 28 that if they did that, he would stop the rain. What he was doing was he was praying in line with the word of God. That's why God moved in a mighty way. He prayed earnestly. He did not quit. He did not stop because he knew what the Bible said. Then we see it again when he, he prayed and the rain came down. Again, God said, hey, I'm going to make it rain. I'm going to make it rain. And so he prayed and it rains. You see? It was in line with the word of God. He was praying in the spirit. He was praying earnestly that it might not rain. We see he prayed earnestly, but he also prayed effectually and effectively. It got, it got the job done, right? The, prayer, the rain stopped. The rain came. It got the job done. Now, understand this. Now, Elijah was in the same boat we were, if not worse. Elijah was praying this during one of the worst spiritual warfares that were going on in that day, right? The people had left Stop serving God. We're serving the, the, the prophets of Baal and, and Baal. King Ahab and Jezebel were taken over. Man, it was a wicked, dark time in society. It was a terrible time during that day. And if Elijah looked and put on his spiritual goggles during that time, man, he probably would have wanted, wanted to put it down. Right? He would have wanted to put it down because it was scary. Right? He was in a spiritual warfare, just like you and I today in 2020. But what did he do? He prayed. And he experienced power. King Ahab, Jezebel, they, they led Israel away. Man, and then he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal. Man, I, I tell you to read it. First Kings chapter 18, man, it is awesome. 
I love it to death. It's so good. Man, he challenged the prophets of Baal. He made a show of them. They couldn't send fire down from heaven. They started cutting themselves. Then he gathered them around, man, put water all over the place, and then the fire came down, licked everything up. Man, they, God moved in a mighty way. Then the prophets of Baal went on their knees and said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. It was an amazing revival that was going on during that day. It was a, a crazy spiritual warfare that Elijah was going through. But he did not quit during that time. And therefore, God moved in a mighty way. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, actually. Man, I love that. 1 Kings chapter 18. Some good stuff there. Notice what he says there. This was after, man, he just killed all those, all those prophets. After the fire came down from heaven because he prayed. And look at this point. This is his confidence that he has in his God. Verse 41, it says this. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Basically saying, all right, buddy, all right, Ahab, it's about to rain, get ready. Then he says in verse 42, and Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face in between his knees. He put his face in between his knees. He went into a travailing position, a laboring position. And then what did he tell his servant? He said this, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. So he's in that travailing, laboring position. And he's saying, it's about to rain. Go, go up, go check. And he goes up, nothing. Comes back. Goes up, nothing. Comes back. Seven times he did that. And then finally, look what happens. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hands. Just a little cloud. And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariots, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You see, he did not quit. He did not stop. Seven times he's in that travailing, that laboring position, praying to Almighty God, praying earnestly, praying passionately, seven different times. But I got to thinking about this. What if he stopped after the third time? What if he stops after the fourth time? What if he stopped after the fifth time? He waited seven times, and he kept on praying, kept on praying, kept on praying. You see, the reason why God moved in a mighty way is because of his importunity. Because he kept on praying, and he did not quit. And God had perfect timing in all of this. God wasn't just waiting and waiting and waiting. He had a perfect time. It was the number of completion, right? You see, he had perfect time there, but for us, we need to realize that we need to keep on praying. We just can't give these little prayers here and there. You want to see God move in a mighty way? You want to experience power in prayers? You need to be in that travailing, laborious position. When's the last time you've knelt at an old-fashioned altar like this and travailed, and you just poured your heart out to God, and you kept on praying, kept on praying? Man, when's the last time you've done that so much where the invitation, the piano player is getting tired? When's the last time that's happened? Right? We need to be praying fervently. The reason why we're not seeing people move in a mighty way tonight, the reason why people aren't experiencing power in prayer is because they're not praying earnestly with that fervent ability that we all have. We need to be praying in the spirits. Elijah did not quit. He kept on praying. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've done that? You see, prayerlessness is our biggest problem today. I struggle with it, and you struggle with it. And did you know it's a sin? Prayerlessness is a sin. For one, it's a command by God. 
For two, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And for three, the Bible says it. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. You see, prayerlessness is a terrible sin today, and every single one of us struggle with it. For the lost sinner, it is part of his wicked rejection of Christ. For the child of God, it is identical with backsliding. Prayerlessness is another name for unbelief, and it is a father and partner of every vile sin. It is the father and partner of every vile sin. You can say, Michael, that's pretty harsh. Father and partner of every vile sin, it's really that bad? Well, think about it. Those people that are given into these wicked, awful, terrible sins. Are they praying? No. The, the, the Christian who backslides and is just given into the world and given into sin and wickedness, are they praying at all? No, they're not praying. Prayer isn't even in their mind. It's not even in their sights. Prayerlessness is a part of every wicked and vile sin. John R. I. said this regarding prayerlessness. He said, of itself, prayerlessness is, I have no doubt, worse than murder, worse than adultery, and worse than blasphemy. What is wrong with churches today is lack of true prayer. What is wrong with preachers is the same sin. What is wrong with the pew is still this blighting sin of prayerlessness. For every sin, every failure, and every lack, God had a remedy and cure if we had sufficiently and effectually prayed. I'm going to say that one more time. For every sin, every failure, and every lack, God had a remedy and cure if we had sufficiently and effectually prayed. You see, my greatest sin... And your greatest sin is prayerlessness. And it must be stopped. It must be repented of. Prayerlessness must be recognized as a sin that grieves the Holy Spirit, hinders the work of God, helps fill up hell, takes missionaries off the mission fields, and causes a power shortage at the house of God. Hey, prayerlessness is a terrible sin in our churches today. And you want to know something? Satan is loving this. He loves that we're not praying the way that we used to. We're not praying and experience the power that we used to. Even in just the early 1900s, the 1950s, we aren't praying like we should. But we need to remember now, we face a real enemy. And we need prayer warriors to win this battle. We need prayer warriors to pray. The prayer warrior storms the gates of hell, clothed in the armor of God, pleading the blood of Jesus and taking back what is rightfully God's. You see, prayer is a barrage to drive back the demon hosts that are determined to stop the triumph of Christ. Prayer is the invisible force to break down every opposing wall and to open every iron gates. And prayer penetrates every curtain of darkness and demolishes every fortress of hell. Hey, we are in a warfare today, and it takes prayer to win this battle. I like what A.B. Simpson said on prayer. He said this, God wants men and women of who he can depend on to stand as bulwarks and battlements against the shocks of hell's artillery. There's power in prayer, but it takes praying. It takes praying earnestly. It takes time. It takes passion. All right, there's power in prayer, and we can have that, but we need to pray in the spirits. That's what we see in Ephesians 6.18. But notice my fourth point now, the perseverance of prayer. The Bible says there in verse 18, watching thereunto with all perseverance. That term watching thereunto means to be awake, to be vigilant, to be committed. Paul again, think about this now, he again uses military terms here. Now, he did this because we face a real enemy, which means we must maintain vigilance, stay watchful, and keep guard at all times. We need to set a watch. We need to remain committed. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to be vigilant in our prayers. Amen? We need to be 
we need to persevere. We see the word perseverance there as well. The Bible says, with all perseverance. Now, this has to do with remaining committed in spite of diversion. He's saying, do not quit. Keep on praying. Do not stop. Because Satan's going to try to get you to quit. He's going to try to get you to stop. But he's saying, hey, you're in a warfare, so keep on praying. You're in a warfare, so do not stop. Hey, cling to me and I and you. Abide in me and I and you. Because without me, ye can do nothing. He's saying, I want you to pray because that's how you win. And I found it interesting when I was looking at this. The word perseverance here is found only one time in Scripture. Only one time. Right here in Ephesians 6.18. Indicating the importance of prayer. How important prayer is to win this battle of life. Because Satan is going to try to distract you. Satan will bring diversions, doubts, or distractions to get you to stop praying. I found it interesting, man. A couple weeks ago, I was spending time with uh, my Lord in prayer. And I try to get up every morning and just spend time on my knees praying to the Lord with my prayer list. And um, just right away, I, I got on my knees. And I spent, I didn't get more than three or four words into my prayer. And instantly, I grabbed my phone. Instantly, I went, oh, i got to call my mom. i got to call my mom. Now, I didn't have to call my mom. I was going to tell her a funny story that happens. But right when I was talking to Almighty God, I went and grabbed my phone. You see, it was a distraction. And I remember I caught myself, and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You're talking to Almighty God. Why are you going to your phone? You see, it was a distraction. I put my phone down, I kept spending time with the Lord. You see, Satan tries to bring distractions to get you to stop. Satan tries to bring doubts to get you to stop. He's going to try to get you to stop praying to Almighty God. Have you ever had that before? I have it all the time. He will try to get you to quit through wandering thoughts. You ever had that? You're spending time with the Lord in prayer, praying to Him, and all of a sudden, it pops into your head. You're wondering if you've got meat in the fridge, and where's your birth certificate at? And, man, I wonder if my first grade teacher is dead or alive. You ever had that before? I know I have. So many different times. Those are wandering thoughts. Saying brings those to get you to stop talking to God. He'll use wicked thoughts. You ever been praying to God or been praying throughout the day and all of a sudden just a wicked, awful thought straight out of hell just popped into, your, popped into your mind? And you're just like, what on earth is that? I've never thought about that, once desired that or anything like that. Why is that in my head today? Those are wicked thoughts. Saint tries to bring that to get you to stop praying. And then he'll bring worldly thoughts into your life as well. Man, have you ever been on your knees praying to Almighty God? And, and you just feel like you're not even talking to him. You feel like he's not even listening. And you're just praying to the ceiling. And you just keep on praying and praying. But you feel like it's not working. And you start to feel like Satan isn't even, uh, Jesus isn't even real. You start doubting your salvation. Doubting God. Doubting your church. I'm telling you, those are worldly thoughts that Satan tries to bring into our life to get us to stop praying. But the key is, when he does that, keep on praying, persevere. And one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, you've got to cast those thoughts down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When those thoughts come your way, you just cast those thoughts down. Like the Kimbe Matumbo with the finger wag. You cast those thoughts down and you say, hey, I'm a child of God. Hey, I am more than a conqueror through his love. I've got the victory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to keep on praying because that's how I win the battle. We've got to keep on praying. We've got to persevere. The perseverance of prayer. And then remember... <laughs> Remember, when, when we were dealing with all of this, we have the victory. We have the victory in Christ. Hey, it, it was finished at Calvary. We've got the victory. So just remember, keep on praying. And remember this now. Studying for this message, man, I was getting overwhelmed. I was getting overwhelmed with the truth of spiritual warfare. And it coming up so many different times. It was overwhelming. I was getting scared. 
But we got to remember now, if Satan is trying to distract you, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. It means that your prayers are causing him to be concerned. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. That's the perseverance of prayer. But then notice finally, number five, and I'm done, the purpose of prayer. Look at verses 18 and 19. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirits, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. At the, at the end of Ephesians 6.18, Paul begins to put prayer in focus here. First, he tells the Ephesians to pray for all the saints. Then, they are to pray for him as God's messenger. You see, the point is for believers to be able to endure, to stand firm, and to be strengthened, and for the gospel to be proclaimed boldly and clearly. What we see there is the purpose of prayer is for the furtherance of the gospel. It's for people like you and me to stand strong, to remain committed, to have a good testimony, and point people to Jesus Christ. He's telling us there, hey, pray for me so I can lead people to the Lord. Pray for me so I can be a good soul winner. We need to pray for the furtherance of the gospel. Because when we pray for another, we can be witnesses and stand strong and win the battles of life. And we need to remember now, our time on this battlefield is running out. And there are still souls to be saved. We need to pray for laborers, pray for the furtherance of the gospel, and pray for soldiers to stand strong. In times of uncertainty, we need to be vigilant and pray like a good soldier. I'll close with this. In a past issue of the Sword of the Lord, they included an article on the confidence and conduct of a good soldier. I am a soldier, a prayer warrior in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Spirit is my code of conduct, and faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or be pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I cannot have my feelings hurt badly enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot hold me. Hey, I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me back from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain. And then... Bring me back to rule this world with him. Hey, I am a soldier in the army, and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier, marching, heaven-bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? Preacher. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.